Hey there, and welcome to episode number 80 of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to achieve your greatest potential with purpose in your career and life. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today I'm looking forward to sharing with you a conversation that I had with Taryn Richardson on lessons for successful entrepreneurship. Now, if you don't already know who Taryn is, Taryn Richardson is a sports dietitian at Dietitian Approved, her own business where she helps triathletes to dial in their nutrition for training and racing. Now, the reason why I want to share this conversation with you is because when people discover what their heart-centered purpose is and they develop a vision on the change and the impact they want to create in this world, it usually leads them down the pathway of entrepreneurship. And the reason for that is because when someone is truly heart-centered and has a specific purpose that they want to actualize, it's more than likely going to be a unique concept. It's very likely going to have not already been done many times before, and it's game-changing in its nature in that it's got to move the lines rather than operate between lines that already exist. So commonly, it requires people to explore entrepreneurship, but what often happens that I've observed is there are many individuals who are extremely purpose-driven, but they are held back by how overwhelming entrepreneurship is and seems, especially at the start. And this makes sense, I get this. Just like anything, when you first start out, it's like there are a million and one things that you need to get your head around and implement from the get-go. And in entrepreneurship, there is the branding, branding to the marketing, to the sales, to the intricacies of the actual business, to the technicalities of setting up a website. And there's a lot to get your head around. But ultimately, it is so worth it. For me, I love it. And I'm sure you know that. That's why I do what I do. I really believe that entrepreneurship adds to the excitement and to the fun and the rich experience of life because you get to work and actualize your purpose under your terms in the way that you want to with the flexibility that you want. And you actually get to create an impact and make a difference. So in this episode, Taryn shares her experience of entrepreneurship and hopefully this will inspire you to take the leap and make what you love work for you so that you can be both successful and fulfilled. Specifically, Taryn shares her story to build Dietitian Approved, the challenges that she has faced over the years, her biggest lessons that she has learnt, common mistakes that entrepreneurs make and so much more. I know that this episode is going to be very insightful into entrepreneurship, so let's get into it. This is Taryn Richardson on lessons for successful entrepreneurship. Taryn, welcome to the Aligned Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Trang. I'm so excited to chat to you today because Today, like even though your primary work is as a sports dietitian, we are actually going to be talking about you as a person and your journey to create Dietitian Approved and all the learnings that you've had along the way. So this is going to be good. 
exciting, nerve-wracking, daunting. It's not really something I talk about often, to be honest. I always just talk about nutrition and give people advice with what they need to do for their sport. It's not very often that I well, I never talk about my business journey anyway, so I'm looking forward to this today. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit different. This will keep things fresh for you. Out of my comfort zone for sure. <laughs> The reason why I really am looking forward to sharing this conversation with you though, Taryn, is because, you know, we know in today's world that people are looking for meaning in their work. Like people want to have a job, people want to do work that has purpose. And that's why we've seen what is currently called the great resignation, where they've done surveys and they've seen people actually states that they're happy to take a pay cut just to have work that they enjoy and work that is meaningful for them. And that's something that you've been able to create for some people in order to have work that is meaningful, in order to actually pursue what their deepest purpose is, it might mean creating their own business and pursuing and following their vision. So for you, Taryn, to start off, are you able to actually share with us more about your business, Dietitian Approved, and what services uh, you offer, what you do there. So at Dietitian Approved, my main purpose is to help endurance athletes understand how to fuel themselves properly. I work pretty much exclusively with triathletes these days, so the crazy swimmers, cyclists, runners of all <laughs> distances, like right from grassroots beginners that are just starting out with their first like triathlon pink or a sprint race all the way up to people that are winning Kona. And I've also worked with our Australian elite triathlon team as well. So at Dietitian Approved, as a sports dietitian, I guess I'm in the business of getting people results and getting them to understand for the crazy hours of training that they do, how to eat properly for performance, but also long-term health. And I do that mostly these days within the Triathlon Nutrition Academy program. It's an online program that I've developed to help more triathletes all over the world. We have clients or athletes in there from America and the UK, which just blows my mind because nutrition's a very noisy world, I guess. And I'm really passionate about getting evidence-based nutrition information into more hands because it's really easy, particularly for triathletes, to you know find these shiny objects or go down weird rabbit holes because they want the latest and greatest gadgets and things and they want to be doing the best that they can. But with nutrition, often that's taking them down a really weird path that is wasting their time. So the academy program is the main way I work with people at the moment. And in that, we have a weekly masterclass, not live where I teach people exactly why they need to be doing what they're doing with nutrition and then give them the structure and the framework to develop their own plans for everything. So we're doing things like carb loading and hydration, recovery nutrition, pre-training nutrition, those sorts of things. It's the stuff that I have spent more than 13 years teaching athletes in private practice how to do one-on-one and just running out of time. And I want more people to understand exactly how to unlock their true potential with the power of nutrition, but the one-on-one model is impossible to get to everyone. So we do that online. They also get me live every week to pick my advanced sports dietitian brain, ask me questions, make sure they know exactly what they're doing for them and get unstuck, give them a bit of a butt kick if they need it as well. And then as part of the program, I also have people set up with my entire recipe database 
menu plans for what to eat for the dinners and shopping lists and all the things that they need to make eating well easy and not complicated. So I guess my whole philosophy and the whole dietitian approved philosophy is very much no BS. (laughs) I'm going to teach you exactly what you need and cut out all that noise because there's just too much crap out there. Yeah, cool. So you're mainly doing that through the academy at the moment. Some people might have an image of like dietitians working big days with back-to-back appointments, but that's not how your week looks like at the moment, is it? Like since having your own business, you've been able to have more flexibility in your weeks and you'd be able to create a business that suits the lifestyle that you want, right? So what's your current week looking like at the moment? Just to give everyone an idea. Well, it used to look like that. It used to look like massive days in the clinic, back-to-back appointments, people on the phone, people face-to-face, working on the weekends, and then spending two days a week down the Gold Coast working for Triathlon Australia as well, doing sweat testing. Like it was just crazy. You know, that's only maintainable for a certain period of time and then, you know, have kids and that whole thing changes. (laughs) You can no longer work like that. Like you can be really selfish when it's just you and work at all hours of the day and all hours of the night. And I'm probably like you, Trang, a bit of a high achiever. I like to do things right and do things well. So it can be really easy to have your time absorbed with all the things all the time. Now... I basically run my business in two days a week. I know that sounds crazy, but I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home and they're only in daycare two days a week together. So I've basically built my academy program to give the advice to people that I do in a one-on-one sense, but it's way more scalable. We've got a group going through at the moment and there's 10 people in that. There was 22 in the last group and I can help all of those athletes get individualized nutrition advice in two hours a week. But if I was doing that one-on-one, that'd be 22 hours a week. So my days are very different to back then. I spend one of my work days doing my own podcast, the Triathlon Nutrition Academy podcast, and doing the live component of my program. Another day I still do consulting one-on-one. So I still have that kind of arm of my business. I haven't quite let that go yet, but I have a feeling that's coming. And fitting in all the other stuff that you need to do, like having a podcast that drops weekly is insane amount of work, doing one-on-one consulting, and then just making sure my program is the best version that it can be. I'm constantly tweaking it and evolving it and redoing things to make that better. But yeah, basically try and run it in two days a week at the moment, which is probably why you can't see me, but it's probably why I have massive bags under my eyes from severe sleep deprivation from little people but also just trying to fit a lot into a short period of time. I'm incredibly efficient these days. Yeah, that's a win-win situation for all though. Like, you know, for you to be able to now do what you would do one-on-one, but in a scalable academy where you can reach more people, no matter if someone is in Queensland where you are, or if they are in America or in the UK, like they can actually access you and learn from you. And then for you as well, you can do it now in a shorter period of time instead of, having one hour per client. It's taken a long time to get there though. Like I've been a dietitian for more than 13 years now and it's not something that I set out to do in the beginning, particularly with dietitians, like the one-on-one consulting model, same as physiotherapists, right? The model is one-on-one consulting. So it's definitely taken a while to evolve to that. 
I'm so grateful that I do run my own business and I have the flexibility to create it in the best way that it serves me and what I need to do right now. (laughs) That is make sure little people don't kill themselves by jumping off the couch, but still get to help people understand how to fuel themselves properly because I don't want to be a stay-at-home mum either. I'm not that sort of person. You will probably be the same. I'm very driven and I actually love my work. And taking six months off, I felt quite lost, to be honest, because I actually think my identity is tied up in my business in a way because I've done it for so long. Yeah, yeah, that naturally happens, right? Like when you do it for a long time, it becomes... So you mentioned before, Taryn, that this is something that you didn't actually plan from the start. You didn't actually plan for your career to look exactly as it is now. So can you actually take us back and share with us the start of your journey, You know how you got into dietetics, how you got into triathlon, and how they actually then became combined for you to now niche into nutrition for triathletes? How far do you want to go back? (laughs) (laughs) Share us the whole story. Like this is relevant because a lot of people, they may be listening and they may be in their current day job or they might be doing something that they're questioning, right? So then people wondering, you know, at what point can I make that change? How can I make that change? Mm. So what, yeah, what did it look like for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess I never really knew what I wanted to do like at school. I knew I loved science and I was really good at science. And I also was really active and loved sport. So looking back now, it's a perfect combination for me, but it definitely took me a while to kind of figure that out. I started at uni and just did a science degree for six months because I knew that I was really good at science and I loved it. But I quickly kind of figured out that that doesn't really take you anywhere. Science is kind of the stepping stone into something else, like whether it's medicine or research or whatever it is. So I took a step back from uni to just kind of figure it out for a while and ended up teaching aerobics. I did my Cert 3 in fitness and I used to teach body step and body attack. Yeah, yeah. Love it. For ages. It was the best job ever. You'd be the best personality type for that as well. Like you'd get everyone all up and going for their session. Yeah, (laughs) super motivated. Everyone would turn up on time. (laughs) I had endless energy back then. But I guess like working in that space, in that gym scene, it's really easy to see that people will slog their guts out in gym classes and stuff, but nutrition's their missing link. They aren't getting to the goals that they want to achieve. You know, they train hard, but then they're not getting anywhere with body composition or their energy levels or anything like that. So that kind of probably sparked my interest in the space of nutrition at that point. I was never interested in food and nutrition as a child. My mum was a terrible cook. Hopefully she's not listening. And (laughs) one of my brothers was an Olympic level swimmer. So we just used to eat like spaghetti on repeat and chili con carne with white rice, like easy to make in bulk food that I cannot touch to this day. So I wasn't really ever a foodie. I'm more so into this performance side of sport and exercise and then linked that with food. So I kind of tweaked after doing aerobics that I wanted to do sports nutrition. So I enrolled in a university degree to do nutrition. Back then, the only way to get into sports was to do the four-year undergrad of dietetics. And then you needed to do two years of clinical experience in a hospital before you could even do the course to become a sports dietitian. So that's what I did. So it's a long journey to get there, but I guess haven't looked back since. I've absolutely loved my job. It's perfect for me, but I never knew that that's what I wanted to be. Like I hear of people that single digit years know that they want to be a doctor or a vet and they actually end up becoming that. That's definitely not my path. 
I kind of knew what I liked and what I was good at and it's evolved over the years. Yeah, interesting. So at what point of this journey were you getting into triathlon and cycling yourself? I've always swum my whole life. I was thrown in a pool probably before I could walk. It was me swimming was why my brother ended up being a really high level swimming because he was at the pool with me all the time. And my dad also used to make bikes and run a bike shop. So I've been riding bikes from before I could walk as well. I used to ride penny farthings. You know those bikes that have the big front wheel and the little back wheel with no brakes? Yeah. (laughs) Insane. Absolutely insane. But that's what I used to ride as a kid and we used to do like expos and, you know, display rides and stuff. But I've always ridden bikes. So I was doing those two things teaching aerobics. And so I decided to train for Bridge to Brisbane, which is like a local 10K fun run here in Brisbane. And after that, I was like, why am I doing these three sports separately? Why not link them together? Found a local tri-squad many years ago, probably in my first year working after my degree and never looked back. Like triathlon was the best thing ever. I made so many lifelong friends. I love the training. I actually met my husband in that triathlon squad. (laughs) So incestuous. so good. (laughs) What a great way to meet other hot people though, like in a sporting club. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know, like when you do triathlon training, you are with people constantly, like every day, at least once a day, but you see them in their darkest hour as well. Like you see them struggle, you see them in pain and you form really tight Nick bonds with the people in your group. Like I've got lifelong friends from those years. Because, yeah, you see people in all states and all sorts of vulnerabilities. So, really good relationship forming in tri-squads. Yeah. Side note, get into triathlon if you (laughs) haven't already and you want to make some lifelong friends or meet your lifelong partner. (laughs) It is a very incestuous sport. We weren't dating at that time. It wasn't until after we stopped doing triathlon that we ended up getting back together. But that's where I met him anyway. Side note. Yeah. So that was how I fell in love with the sport of triathlon. And then I was lucky enough to do a fellowship with the AIS after doing my sports nutrition course. And so as part of that, I got to work with the elite triathletes for Triathlon Australia. And off the back of my fellowship, Triathlon Australia contracted me as their sports dietitian. So it was kind of natural, even though I kind of fell into this niche area. But I guess everything happens for a reason, right? Like I never planned to be the sports dietitian in Australia for triathletes, but that is kind of what happened. But it's perfect anyway. Yeah, I think that's a key takeaway. Like a lot of people, especially when they've finished uni or even when they finished high school, they have this 20, 30, 40 year plan mapped out. They see themselves like being at the top of the game in a certain career path. But more often than not, it's one step at a time. Like, you know, one door opens, you go through that door. Another door opens, you then go through the next door. And it just so many doors open up that really you stick to the one pathway that you originally planned. Particularly if you're open to that as well. Like if you're really set on, I have to do this, then you might be kind of, excuse my French, but like pushing shit uphill. But if, you know, things are a bit more natural and you can go with the flow and see where life takes you, then, you know, never know where you're going to end up. Yeah. And something that happens is you experience more and you do different things and then you realize, oh, this is actually what is aligned to me and what, you know, my passions are versus being really tunnel visioned when you're 18 years old, when you finish high school, when you've barely seen the world anyway and sticking to that. Yeah. hundred percent. That's really true. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you, you got this opportunity and you started, you know, working with these elite, you know, Olympic athletes. And then how long after that did you start up Dietitian Approved? That was all at the same time. So I did a two-year stint in the UK working over there. And as soon as I – well, I actually created the name and the business and the website while I was over there. And as soon as I was back, I hit the ground running. And that coincided with getting my fellowship as well. So I was doing both of them at the same time, working a couple of days a week in my fellowship and building my business. So this was back in 2014. Yeah. So eight years now that you've had dietitian approved and you've been working in business. I call it seven. It'll be seven years this year because I don't count the time mucking around in the UK getting it set up. (laughs) I count it from the days that the doors opened. But yeah, it's been about that long. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, over these seven years, no doubt you have seen a lot of things, you've experienced and experimented with a lot of things, you've seen things work well, you've seen things work not so well. So for you, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced building a business and how did you overcome them? There's constantly challenges. Like I don't think there's a smooth rose. I, I always see images of like the entrepreneur's journey and it's like this chart of squiggly lines up and down and backflips and stuff. It's never a straight line. So there's challenges yep. constantly. I guess my current challenge is just trying to figure out how to run my business with tiny people at home because I want to spend as much time with them as I can while they're little I don't want to regret, you know, shipping them to daycare five days a week and not helping them to grow and develop as little humans. But then I still have massive aspirations and drive for world domination in my business. <laughs> so yeah, my current challenge is just trying to balance those two things. Like what do I want to achieve by developing my little humans as humans and then also how I want my business to develop. So at the moment, I'm really just trying to build a bit of a team around me and do the things that I have to do and then get other people to do the things that I don't have to do. You know, you might find the same thing. Like in the beginning, you do everything. Like you're the marketer, you're the finance person, you are the actual person doing all the, you know, the specialist dietitian or physio work, whatever it is, and admin and taking calls and emails and all the things. But really, my expertise and my like where I should be and what I should be doing is the dietitian part only and you know the bigger picture vision of where the business is going but all the other stuff I don't need to do so it's just finding that balance now of getting some support but you know it's a tipping point between being able to afford the support when you need it too so it's just a delicate balance in getting that right yeah and doing podcast episodes as well, having epic conversations. <laughs> That's part of your weekly thing at the moment. Yeah, so nobody can do that for me, but I can get somebody to edit it for me. I can get somebody to do the transcript for me and do like get the social snippet side of things happening. So all of that stuff I can do and I know how to do and I certainly have done. <laughs> but yep. right now I am so incredibly time poor that I'm just trying to find help and support with all of those other things. So yeah, that would be my biggest challenge right now. But there's challenges all the time. When you first asked me that question, I think the first thing that popped into my head was when I was just about to have baby two and I had a dietitian who I'd been grooming for three years take over my clinic for maternity leave, whatever that is. (laughs) And she resigned really suddenly a couple of weeks before he was due. I think two weeks before she was due, he was due 
she resigned. Like, oh, spanner, total spanner, like scary, mm. frustrating, super angry. And I guess also feeling let down because I've spent so long grooming this person and giving them all of my brain power and insider secrets. But, you know, like at the end of the day, what can you do about that? There's nothing you can do. You just kind of get up, dust yourself off and move on. I'm not a particularly emotional cat (laughs) and I don't spiral easily. I'm much more of a get shit done personality. So for any challenge, it's really like, okay, let's wallow for a second and then let's figure out how to fix this quickly. And I guess that's a benefit of having a really small business is you're nimble, you're quick, you can make decisions quickly and you can action them really quickly too. Yeah, it sounds like what you're saying as a whole at a high level is that like no matter where you're at in your journey in business, there are going to be challenges. So then once again, that mindset of, oh, if I just get past that three-year mark or that, you know, like six-figure a year mark, like my challenges will all just disappear. And Taryn, you're shaking your head as I say that. (laughs) No. (laughs) But the thing is what you've described are two challenges that generally come later on. So one is the challenge of like hiring um, people and having employees and dealing with that and unexpected things that come up and that that comes later on, right? And then the other one was you, you know, going on to maternity leave, which might be later on for some people, might be at the start for some people. But yeah, both of those were kind of more a bit more later on for you, weren't they? Yeah. I just probably have, you know, forgotten all the things from early days because I'm not one to dwell. Like I probably Well, my brain is so full, I maybe repress stuff that I don't need in there anymore. But yeah, there's challenges all the time. They're just different. You know, in the beginning, when you first start a business, you have no idea what you're doing. So there's challenges in figuring out what email marketing platform you're going to use, like all this sort of stuff. What social media schedule are you going to run with? There's so many different challenges. It just evolves. Like the challenges change constantly. Just like I don't think they'll ever stop. It's just learning how to deal with them and being comfortable that stuff is going to happen all the time. Yeah, sure. So from there, right, like these are some of the challenges that you've had. We've spoken about how these challenges are normal and they're constantly going to be there. So in a way, expect that. What do you see though with new entrepreneurs going out, maybe they're starting a business from scratch, straight out of school, straight out of uni, or maybe they have quit their day job to start a business, what are some mistakes that you see them making that might cause them to fall short? Based on your experience, based on your observations, what wisdom can you share with us? That's a tough one because I don't really watch other entrepreneurs. I know that sounds weird, but (laughs) one, I'm incredibly time poor and two, I very much have my blinkers on. Like I have a rule that I don't follow other dietitians on social media. Like I don't watch what other people in my industry are doing because I don't want to be end up like having to copy them or do the things that they're doing. But I also don't want to feel like I'm not enough or I'm not doing enough when I see them doing all the things. So I probably don't follow or see any new entrepreneurs anymore. But thinking back to then or thinking of some businesses that I know that have started, I think one of the things that I see is that people just go all in and quit their day job and then don't make any money. And there really needs to be a bit more of a plan and structure around starting it if that's what you want to do so that you keep a job to have some income and then your entrepreneur journey or your business is a bit of a side hustle until the balance is tipped where it's earning enough that you can quit your job or go part-time or something like that and balance that. 
I've seen, I'm not going to mention any names, but I have seen a business just go all in and, you know, remortgage the house and all this sort of stuff. So they are so far deep down the rabbit hole that it has to work because otherwise they all left with nothing. Like they quit their jobs, both partners quit their jobs. They've literally got nothing if it doesn't work. So that, I guess, is not a great place to be. You're probably not going to make good decisions if you're that stressed about the finances all the time. So I know it's a bit of an accountant financial sort of answer, which is not my style, but just to have a bit of a backup plan rather than go all in and have to make it work because the decisions you make in that point in time when you've got bills to pay and low finances are probably not going to be good long-term decisions if that's the case. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation that's worth sharing because even though I am a big proponent of like, following your passions, even though that sounds so cliche, but like following what your heart's calling is and and following what you believe is the right path for you. At the same time, there is also a better and a worse way to go about it in order to sustain it. And as you say, Taryn, you started up Dietitian Approved and you were starting to set it up while you're also working. And that's what I did as well. So even like looking at both of our scenarios, how that's worked out to take it slow because you do have a lot of time. Like it's not like it's a race where there's a deadline. It needs to be up and running by six months or 12 months. It's like, it's a long game that you can play. And if it's possible, I believe for everyone to make it work, but you just got to go about it and actually be intentional about the process. Yeah, that's much more eloquently put than me. But yeah, you're right. It Like I totally agree. If you're passionate about something, do it. Just be smart about it. Yeah. And even what you said before, Taryn, about the fact that you don't watch what other dietitians get up to or you don't watch what other entrepreneurs get up to. I think that is a gem to take away as well. Because in some ways, yes, you kind of want to be aware of what your competitors are up to, but then do you have to be? Why don't you just actually create your own unique market, <laughs> create your own thing, you'd be the perfect mold of you that you are and do whatever you want to and you will attract your people that way. That's what I believe. That's why the Triathlon Nutrition Academy program is the first in the world. There's nothing like it that exists at the moment and it's because I didn't just copy something else. I'm sure there will be copycats in time, but I'll be so far ahead that doesn't matter by then. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, whether or not you are consciously copying other people, even if you are constantly following what other dietitians are up to, you will just unconsciously fall into a pattern of how things are done. These are the services that are available. And you just kind of follow that path unconsciously, like even if you're not planning to do that. But there's just a lot of noise. If you're constantly watching what other competitors are up to, you just take on that noise and then that removes or takes away space for your own ability to be creative and be unique, which is an important factor for making it in business, being unique. Yep, I agree. That's why I niche in triathlon. There's nobody really doing well in that space either. It naturally happened. I guess I'm just grateful that there's not a lot of people that are good at triathlon nutrition. There's certainly people that'll do it, but not necessarily understanding the intricacies of the sport to the deep level that I do all the way from beginners to the elite space. So one of the things I would suggest though is to surround yourself with entrepreneurs who have the same passion and drive as you. Like you always want to level up and so hang out with people that are at the next level to you, not people that are below you necessarily. 
just like I don't follow dietitians, like follow or get involved with people that you aspire to be so that that helps you to level up. That is a great point because, you know, you're naturally a mold of your environment. Once again, whether you realize it or not, and you always become the average of what your environment is, right? Like even if you have good intentions and you want to hang out with all your high school friends who are not doing what you aspire to do, but you at some point when you do pull ahead or you do something that's different, you get that feeling of like, you know, a bit of like tall poppy syndrome. It's just like what it is. It's just like naturally you want to kind of come back down and blend in with what your environment is. That's a really good point. I think even friends and family are often sometimes the most dangerous people to be hanging around a lot. I don't know if you experienced this. I'd be interested to hear your experience with this, Taryn, but friends and family, because they know you as the past version of yourself, right? Like that's how they've always known you. Your friends know you as the person who would go partying with them on weekends. Your parents know you as a kid who couldn't walk at one point in your life. You know, like you, They knew you when you were uh, small and, and you were innocent and you needed to be protected. So that's how they're going to remember you as and that's going to be how they project their opinions onto you and that's how they're going to see your potential as. So then like sometimes you might be like, oh, mom, dad, I've got this massive idea to dominate the world in business and I want to quit my job and do this. And sometimes they'll actually share an opinion that might hold you back, even though it comes with good intentions. Yeah, totally. I think it comes back to surrounding yourself with other people outside of friend and family, though, that can help leverage you, build you up. Because often, you know, even talking to my husband about my business, he doesn't kind of get it. But, you know, I just know that he's not the person to go to if I'm having a bad day and want to chat about some complicated funnel or something like that. There's other people that you go and talk to to bounce ideas off and have a whinge and then, you know, dust yourself off and get back up out there. Yeah, perfect. So expand your circles of influence and make that circle more reflective to where you want to be going. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. Cool. So over these years, we've spoken about some challenges that you've experienced. We've spoken about common mistakes that you might or mistakes that you might see other entrepreneurs making. What about throughout your journey? What have been your three biggest lessons that you have learned that you wish you knew when you first started business? One of the things that I probably learned the hard way was boundaries. With food and being a dietitian, you form a really close relationship with your clients. Like food is quite personal. I go quite deep quite quickly. I don't know if it's just my personality or do people just become really vulnerable when you talk about food. So having boundaries in the beginning, I just had none. People would text me on a Friday night because they were at the supermarket and they were like, hey, what muesli should I get again? And then I would respond like, because I felt bad if I didn't respond. You'd get emails at all hours, on the weekends, all that sort of stuff. Just no boundaries for my personal time. And also, I guess, creating such strong relationships that they, even though they're a client professional relationship, it's much more of like a friend relationship. So I learned the hard way with people walking all over me early that you've got to create really firm boundaries, which I have so firm now, it's probably a bit too extreme, but I have basically a gatekeeper. You can't email me anymore. You can't text me anymore. You can't call me anymore. There's basically no way to contact me. 
personally other than insta dm you can slide in there and i'll write back but (laughs) there's a loophole in this (laughs) i know i probably shouldn't advertise it but that is me on instagram dms but just having like having some way to set up boundaries early because i'm in like a helping profession my passion is to really help people like make them healthier get them to perform better give them that transformation like i love that that's why i do what i do but that also comes at the cost of them texting you at all hours of the day, sending an email with like a million questions that really needs to be covered in a consultation, but feeling like you have to write back to that. So that is definitely one of the biggest lessons that I have learned and I would do that very differently now. Um, But it's not something you kind of know and realize unless you go through it, I think. Yeah, or you listen to a podcast and then you learn from someone else's mistakes so that you can learn yourself and fast track that process. But I think that's a really big one. And you've gone from one, you know, you've gone from experiencing one extreme in a way. So answering clients' messages late at night on a Friday to now having these barriers up. And, you know, is it ever extreme or is it that you're actually serving both yourself and your clients as well? You know, you're having these boundaries. So you're protecting your own space and, your own with your family on Friday nights but then for the clients as well it actually holds them a bit more accountable to get out all the questions that they need to during a consultation to maybe be prepared in advance to actually to be independent in some ways as well like yes you know both you and I are here to help clients but also don't want to enable their dependence by holding the hand 24 7 either so I think that's a really great one to take away Yeah, totally. If somebody had have helped me with that in the beginning, I would have been like, that would have been amazing. So when I see people doing business, I try and teach them that lesson now early because it is such a big one to set up those boundaries. And yeah, you're right. Like I could go back to that old way, but I just don't have time anymore. And it also gives people, like when they understand how they can contact you and how they can't, it just gives them a bit clearer way of how you work too. And it's just being upfront with that in the beginning. Like that, my clients get a welcome pack that says, you know, these are the days that I work. You can't contact me. (laughs) All of your clinical questions are for when we're together. So, you know, write them down, bring them with you and I'll cover it so that we can have a conversation about that. They are not for an email because they're not going to get a response. And once they know that, they're so much more grateful because they then know how everything works. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's lesson number one. What's the next one that you'd like to share with us, Taryn? I've got so many goodies. Number two (laughs) would be focus on revenue generating activities. Now you can Mm. get super busy doing all the things, finding beautiful images or taking beautiful images for Instagram, making sure your feed looks perfect, spending hours writing captions and doing hashtag research and all that stuff. But none of that is linked to revenue generation directly. Like, yes, it's part of marketing, but do you need to be doing that? In the beginning, yes. But focus on doing the stuff that's actually going to put money in your bank. Particularly if you are working on your business full-time and you don't have any other commitments, you'll have a lot of time to get distracted by shiny objects and all those sorts of things. But I'm guilty of that. (laughs) Yeah, but focus on the stuff that's actually going to push the needle. I don't really talk about this ever, but I've just done almost when we finish in June, the biggest revenue year I've ever done. And I work way less than I ever have. I'm super efficient. 
but I also only focus on the stuff that is revenue generating. And I wish I had have done that a bit better earlier. But again, it's a big learning curve, right? You need to do all the things to start with. Like I have done everything always and it's only now that I'm starting to outsource some stuff that I don't need to do. But yeah, that would be one of the biggest things. Like as soon as you can, as soon as you can afford it, even just a little bit, outsource the stuff that you don't need to do in little bits and pieces and chunks so that you can grow over time rather than going, yep, full-time marketing manager, duh, go. Mm. Outsource the little admin stuff as you build and grow and then keep outsourcing the more that you can slowly. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And it's funny that, you know, we're in a way, it's, it's almost funny that we're talking about this because it's like the primary outcome of a business is to make revenue. But as you say, it can be so easy to get distracted by all the other things that feel like you're achieving something, you know, creating a beautiful Instagram post and perfecting your feed. It feels like you're doing something and it makes you feel busy and might make you feel good. But as you say, it doesn't necessarily lead somewhere. And that ties in with what you were saying before about a mistake that new entrepreneurs might make. You know, they might go straight into business and they might not be ready and they might be under financial stress and that can cause a snowball of like, you know, stress and things not going well. And this will really help with that to actually focus on the 20% that makes 80% of the revenue or 80% of the impact in your business. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, cool. All right, good. So focusing on revenue generating tasks. And number three, third learning that you'd like to share with us. There's so many, but one of my biggest, I guess... Like what is of great value is to surround yourself with like-minded people, particularly being a solopreneur, like it's just me, what it has been just me. And yeah, my husband works in a real job, you know, inverted commas, he's got a job, (laughs) (laughs) he's employed (laughs) and no one in my family are business owners. I'm kind of the first one, but you need to have a support network and support crew that gets it, you know, whether that's joining like some free Facebook groups or a mastermind or doing a business course or something where you can meet other people that are on the same journey as you makes things so much better because they get it. They get what it means to be doing stuff like stupid hours of the night or working on the weekend. Whereas people that have a Monday to Friday, nine to five, that clock in and clock out, they just don't get the stuff that you go through when you're trying to run a business. Yeah, that's such a good one. And, you know, for anyone who does want to expand their circle, sometimes it can feel like it's like when people are dating, right? It's like, where do I find these people? (laughs) What are your words of advice? Like, where have you met other entrepreneurs and where have you been able to expand your network? I don't follow any dietitians. So you could choose to work with people in your industry or not. One of the best places or best things that I did for my business was to do a business program. Like I always wanted to learn more and I wasn't sure where to go to do that. Like, did you need to do a master's in business? Like definitely not. What a waste of time and money. But I did like a general business program. Can't remember when now. (laughs) Pre-kids. Everything's a bit of a blur for the last three years. And that was probably the best way to get some support, get some systems in place, some structure and some guidance. And I met heaps of people through that program. So that was probably where I found most of them and have made, yeah, lifelong friends through that too. 
Yeah, perfect. I would like really agree with that because I'm the same as you, Terrence. So when you were talking, I was like, that's the same as me. So my partner also has a job <laughs> and a job in quotation marks yeah so funny and yeah I'm probably the first in my family to actually yeah have my own business and do that full time so same as me you know to be able to get to where I am now I don't believe I'd be in business full time if I hadn't actually joined a business or actually got in a business and in life mentor I see him as both business and life coach because I believe I wouldn't have had the resources and I would have given up earlier because like it was so easy for me to fall back on physio like if my business didn't work out I could just pick up more shifts at the clinic and do more of that but yeah I really believe it'll fast track right like it'll fast track your progress but also it might even get you to places where you never would have gotten to otherwise yep and open doors and meet networks that you wouldn't have experienced before as well yes that's the big one All right, cool. So three big learnings there. To wrap up this segment and to leave any final words of advice for budding entrepreneurs, what is the final thing that you'd like to leave with them? (laughs) This is funny because I still don't see myself as an entrepreneur or (laughs) even somebody that is able to give advice in this space. I can very much see myself as a sports dietitian and could talk all day about triathlon nutrition, (laughs) but I definitely don't see myself a a leader in the business space. But thank you for asking me these questions anyway. It makes me feel like I do know stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, seven years of business, you know, having almost finished the biggest year of revenue sounds like you've got some real life experiences. (laughs) That's the best experience. Like that's, that puts you in the best position to be able to give advice. (laughs) Definitely spent some time in the trenches. That's for sure. Yeah. I guess I would say, You know, if you love something and you're really passionate about it, of course do it, but you do need to really love it. Like I absolutely love my job. There's not a day that I wake up and I'm like, oh, I have to go to work today. Like you do really want to love it and not like you will get bored and have periods of time where you may not love your business or you will absolutely like everything is all about it. But you still need to have underlying all of that, a real passion for what you do because it will, there'll be days that'll test you. There'll be challenges constantly and you need to still be able to get up and keep going because so many businesses fail in the first couple of years because it's hard. Like it's not an easy path. A lot of people think that business is, you know, coffee dates and, you know, doing all like long weekends and all that sort of stuff. Like it can be that if you want to set it up that way, but you'd still need to be so passionate about what you're doing that when it's hard, you can work through that. Yeah, I could flesh it out so much more as well, but that's great advice. And ultimately it comes down to really connecting to what it is that's meaningful to you and going with that. Yeah, this is exactly what you do, right? You can do a whole nother episode on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're getting to the end of the podcast now, Taryn. So what I do want to finish off with is five questions, rapid fire rounds. Ask you some five questions so that people can get to know you a little bit more and to see what is actually what else goes on <laughs> when you're not giving nutrition advice for triathletes. Yep, sounds good. All right, ready? Yep, ready. Okay, so first one, this one actually might be not so rapid fire, but see if you can uh, describe this in one sentence. What's your definition of success? I don't know if I can do that in one sentence because what is success really? I guess for me, 
I would love to live at the beach and have a veggie patch with enough room for the dogs to run around. We've got two border collies that love to run with a surf break out the front. (laughs) (laughs) Surf break and acreage, like, you know, I've got a lazy 10 mil to drop on that. (laughs) So maybe that's success. But I guess in terms of my business, I guess having it run without me in a way, being there to do the things that I need to do, but really like success for me is having the time and the energy and the space to spend as much time with my family as I want to and only kind of dip in and do the things that I have to do. Because I still am so passionate about helping people understand how to fuel themselves properly but just trying to build that in a scalable model now. Oh, and I also, success for me also, (laughs) this is really insight (laughs) into my competitive nature, is I want to out-earn my husband. (laughs) I love that. No, I totally get what you're saying there. Why not? Why not? In less hours. Because Mm. this is a completely deep, you know, side note conversation, but having kids, I was the one that was going to stay at home and look after them. There was never a thought or a discussion or anything about like he was going to do that. And so I'm just like, nah, stick it to the man. Like women can work and build a family and earn more than men who think that they, you know, need to just work full time in their jobs. (laughs) And the woman stays home like, nah, stick that. Yes. So yeah, I'm quite driven by that as well. (laughs) (laughs) That's some good insight into my brain. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get that. I I resonate with that. I think, you know, because of your personal competitiveness, but as you say, it's also like um, breaking larger stereotypes as well and being able to create the life in your marriage that uh, you choose to, not based on what society thinks it should be. (laughs) Yeah, very well put. Cool. Awesome. All right. So that's your definition of success. That sounds beautiful, by the way. Uh, Next one. You can have dinner with anyone, past or present. Who would they be? I would love to meet Rachel Corbett. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. Okay, she's on the project at the moment, but she used to work for Mamma Mia in podcasting and she, I can't remember which podcast she did. Oh, Lady Startup. Oh, that sounds so familiar. Yeah, she used to host Lady Startup when it first started and she now has her own sort of pod school teaching people to podcast. But I just love her personality. I think we'd get on really well. They describe Mm. her having BDE or big dick energy. (laughs) Have you heard of that before? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she just looks fun. I think she'd be a great chat and I would love to meet her and have dinner over a couple of wines and just have a good time. And then who knows where you could go after that. If you get along well, best friends, like who knows? <laughs> there you go. I don't, I'm not really into famous people or musicians or anything like that, but I would love to meet her just because I think she'd be a really cool chick. Yeah. So if you're listening, yeah, Corbo, sure. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> Reach out. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Next one. What is your favorite place to travel? Oh, this is too hard because I spent so many years traveling in the UK that I got to go to so many different places. I think anywhere that involves a beach and good food and I'm there. So I had a good time in the Bahamas. It was beautiful, like crystal clear water, hanging out at Pig Beach and getting to feed the pigs and then swimming with the sharks on a different island. That was a pretty good day. Like the food through Greece and some of the beaches on the island were amazing. I also love home. Like Byron Bay would be one of my favorite places in the world. So Too hard to answer that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, too hard because there's so many good places. I never got to Turkey though. I'd love to go to Turkey. 
and I never got to do much hiking through like Peru. We did the Inca Trail, but I'd love to go back and do a lot of hiking through the lakes and stuff through there. Oh, and cycle through Vietnam. So many places. Oh, amazing. Well, I'll join you in Vietnam because I am so keen to go back at some point as well because I've got a Vietnamese background. But yeah, you'll put it out there now. So you'll have to get your husband to listen and then you'll make it happen. (laughs) You can give me a tour, a food tour. (laughs) Oh, yum. All right, let's keep moving through. Next question. How many coffees a day? One. Does that surprise you? Kind of. I just expect everyone to have like maybe Australians, two, maybe three. (laughs) I feel like that's the average. I think the average is more than one. Uh, I'm a dietitian, so coffee has its benefits, oh, of course, but too yeah. much of lots of things is not necessarily good. On a really bad day where I've had no sleep, I will have two, but yeah, generally just one. I'm high on life, Trang. I don't need coffee to like get me going. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair, fair. All right, last one. You can take three things onto an island with you. What would they be? I'd have to take my family because if I was on an island, I'd get so bored if I was solo. I'll let you have that as one. Okay. Even though there's four of them? Okay, cool. No, there's three of them. (laughs) Can't count. Plus the two dogs? Plus the two dogs? Plus the two dogs. (laughs) Definitely the two dogs. I'd love some good nights of sleep though. So maybe give me a week solo to catch up on like three years of sleep debt and then they can come. (laughs) Is that okay? Can I have like provisionals? Yeah, you're getting a little bit asky here about these. Um, But okay, sure. I'll grant that for you. Okay, so families and doggos. Definitely surfboard. I'm a long boarder, but don't have a lot of time in life at the moment to do that. And also the border's been closed to Byron, which would be my favorite place to longboard if I can get a wave. And probably a good book. I, again, haven't really read a book for the last few years because it's time to sit down solo, which never happens anymore. But they would be the three things. Family, doggos, that's kind of four. Surfboard, book. Oh, that sounds like the best. That sounds like your like your ideal holiday that you, you've been talking about. You know, anywhere with the beach. I'm pretty much sending you on a really long holiday, I think. Yeah, this would be my like life every day if I could. <laughs> Surfing, yeah. reading, hanging out. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That sounds so good. Well, Taryn, that's taken us to the end of the podcast episode. I've had a blast chatting to you and hearing about your story. And this is, I've learned a lot about you and I've learned a lot about your experiences and what you've been able to take away from them. And I'm sure that the listeners will be able to too. So if anyone does have any questions, if anyone wants to find out more about you or join your academy, where's the best place to find you? The best ways to find me is Instagram at dietitian.approved. You've got to spell dietitian with two T's though. The C version is American. You can slide into my DMs there, that is me, that you get to talk to. It's the only way that you can talk to me directly. But if, you know, triathlon nutrition is what you need help with, then definitely have a look at the Triathlon Nutrition Academy. That's at dietitianapproved.com forward slash academy. And you can read all about how it works and what we offer and when that's opening next. Doors will open probably in August or September at the end of this year, but you can put your name on the wait list if that's something that you're like, yes, I definitely want to do that. And we can let you know when that date is exactly. But then if you're just looking for help with healthy eating and recipes and meal planning, the best place to go is probably dietitianapproved.com forward slash recipes. And that's where you can download my free recipes and just help you with the day-to-day healthy eating side of things. So they would be kind of three places to go depending on what you're looking for when it comes to nutrition. 
Yeah, perfect. A few different options there and I'll put them all in the podcast description. I do actually have a question because I have, I know a lot of the listeners are runners as well. So is there space for them in the academy for runners or do you more focus on triathletes? Yeah, great question. I get this every time because there's a lot of runners that want to come and do the program (laughs) and they're like, I want in too. Is it just for triathletes? Phase one, the fundamental phase where we go through a lot of information around day-to-day nutrition and what you need to eat in pre-training and recovery and how to do periodization. So eating differently for different types of training days. All of that stuff is covered in phase one. So you could do that if you were an endurance runner or an endurance cyclist. I've even had a long course open water swimmer want to jump in and do the program too. So you could do the first part. Then we start to kick into in phase two, much more specific triathlon stuff for sprint and Olympic distance racing, 70.3 and Ironman. So definitely phase one, if your nutrition sucks or you have no idea what to eat on a day-to-day basis and you don't think you're you know, putting the right fuel in. I always talk about fueling the your high performance engine. So you need to decide if you are putting the cheap economy fuel in your car, as in your body, or if you're investing in the premium blend, (laughs) and then also deciding what type of car you drive. So are you driving a beat up Honda or are you driving a high performance machine like a Tesla or a Porsche or one of those Ferrari type things? So nice. what we do in phase one, just make sure that you're ticking all those right boxes for your day-to-day nutrition and that would suit runners to yes, but the way that we talk is very triathlon specific. Yeah, I think if I'm correct, you can do a phase one on its own, yeah? Yeah, you can just jump in and do phase one. You don't have to do the whole big program. So when we open next in August, September, still jump your name on the wait list if that's something that resonates with you. But yes, you can just do phase one. All right, beautiful. Well, that's it, Taryn. Thank you so much once again for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with us. And I'm sure this will be really valuable for the listeners. You're welcome. All right, thank you. That's it. My conversation with Taryn Richardson on lessons for successful entrepreneurship. Thank you for listening to the end of another episode. I deeply appreciate you still being here and I really hope that that episode was valuable for you. If you do enjoy the podcast, then I would love if you had a moment to hop onto Apple Podcasts, leaving a review and a rating so that other people can find the podcast as well. And if you don't like the podcast, then yeah, maybe don't hop on to Apple Podcasts. Maybe don't leave a review and a rating. (laughs) But you're here, so hopefully you do. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your day and I'll catch you in the next episode.